You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome back to Across the Romaverse, episode 89. Jimmy and Brandon are here with me uh, to, you know, just a few days after Roma's Friday victory over Torino, secured sixth place and automatic Europa League qualification for next season. The Serie A campaign has wrapped up. Roma, one more point than last season, but a, a place higher in the table, which secured that uh, Europa League qualification. So an improvement in that regard. I have a couple of stats to run through in general about the season because we'll talk about the season and a little bit about the Torino match. But first, how are you guys doing today? We're recording on Monday, just two days away from, you know, in 48 hours, we'll know from our Europa League, our Conference League champions by this point in two days' time. Yeah, doing uh, yeah. Oh, now I'll let you go, Jimmy. <laughs> you, you closed I, off strong last week, so I'll let you start. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing good. Uh, I feel pretty unhappy that we have the EL qualification in the bag already. I think that will take... Not that this won't be a pressure-filled day for everyone related to Roma, but I think it takes off a tiny bit of the pressure for Roma to have Europa League qualification in the bag already. Uh, It sets us up to be thinking about winning the trophy for the trophy's sake, as opposed to, you know, the financial implications of missing out on the Europa League or, you know, the glory implications of missing out on the Europa League again, everything like that. So I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling pretty happy. And even though Roma only, you know, got like a point higher, last year than, than last year I'm reasonably satisfied with this season yeah I have to agree I think um you know it's 1.1 spot ahead in the table but um improvements and improvement and uh that's something for Mourinho to point out and say hey um I did improve the team in this regard and I simultaneously got them to a European final so I would say that's he'd probably say that's an improvement to the previous season i probably agree with him and having said that I'm very very excited uh for Wednesday um ready to be angry (laughs) throughout the match until until Roma um come through hopefully and 
as most people know, um, and to many people's chagrin, my second team is City. So I just went through a roller coaster of um, emotions with that. So I'm I I've been uh, prepped for the Roma match, and I'm ready to just go through all of the emotions on Wednesday. Yeah, I, I I'm I'm hyped for it too. It's been a while since we've had a chance to directly pay, play for a trophy in a final. I can't remember the last time it was a the Copa final lost to Lazio. Probably the last time that we've been in a a, a trophy final so it's been some time i agree with jim i'm glad that the europa league qualifications out of the way takes off that little extra pressure but i don't know if you caught it brandon jimmy said the glory of the europa league i don't know if i've ever heard of europa league glory uh called before it's all relative man it's all relative (laughs) we hope that in uh, another year's time we'll be talking about returning to the glory days of the champions league and and making some noise there but now i got you jim i said to poke fun at that because many many will scoff Yeah, that was a shout out to the message board readers trying to <laughs> clear up some controversy between Jimmy and myself. Again. Yeah, let me just say this: any non-Roma fan who's scoffing at like the Europa League or the ECL needs to get their head examined because last I checked, even the Scudetto winners this year couldn't make it past the group stage, right? So, like, or the round of sixteen, like they did not. Nobody goes far in Euro- European competitions except for Roma. So, given that, I don't think any other club has any license to talk shit. Hey, and the Europa League has become like Man United's favorite tournament these days too, right? Right, Brandon? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, Steve's uh, ready, to, ready to fire the shots today. I love it. <laughs> but let's focus on Roby here. So like we said, one point higher in the table than last season, but uh, the goal scoring dropped from 68 goals to 59 this season. So a nine, nine goal drop. Uh, the striker production increased because Tammy finished with 17. Meanwhile, last season, Mickey was our leading scorer with 13 and more Mayoral was our leading attacker with 10 goals. So a mixed bag there in terms of overall goal scoring, but individual goal scoring and from the striker position improved uh, goals conceded dropped by 15 though, from 58 conceded to 43. That's where the big improvement was. And it makes for a plus six on the goal differential side. So that the team was plus 16 this year versus only a plus 10 last year. So, what do you guys make just in general of that, you know, dropping goal scoring and the, the, the decrease in goals allowed, which is probably the bigger one. Um, I would say that it's just indicative of, you know, the type of football that Mourinho plays. Um, we know that Fonseca preferred a more expansive and open style and Mourinho usually likes to keep things pretty tight and play, play on the counter. Um, and those numbers suggest that I think, um, when you combine that with the results of this season, um, it kind of suggests that this team might be better suited for the way that Mourinho played compared to the way Fonseca wanted to play. But um, you also can also attribute that to it's a little bit easier to um, maybe play on the counter than it is to play the expansive football that Fonseca would have preferred and that we are starting to see across all of Europe, um, the teams adopting that style. So I probably just attribute it to that, but, um, you know, as they say, defense wins championships. So it's great to see that we're um, improving drastically in the goals conceded department. Yeah. The, the, the old saying defense wins championships rings true in every sport. I mean, if you're watching the NHL playoffs right now, Florida Panthers were lighting up the league in goals all season long and they've, they've gone dry in the playoffs here in the second round against Tampa and, and Tampa showing why they're the defending champs defense wins championships. Right. So I think that goes across the board and, and the defensive improvement is so encouraging under Mourinho because that was like the main thing I think in our previews uh, and you know all our preseason chatter that we all said like the defense needs to improve. They were bleeding goals too much last year, and the defense has improved. And 
you know, there have been those flashes of those three goal performances where they, they knock in three against Adelante and some of those sides. So definitely some things to look forward to. Um, one question we had from Sufjan was, and we, I've seen this comment made a, a couple places, people bringing this up about Roma spending $100 million just to make sixth. And he wants to know, does this figure truly run hand in hand with improvement on the pitch? However, in his mind, a lot of these moves are made to deal with losses like uh, Jekko and, and those kind of, you know, players going out of speed and solo getting hurt. So I'm going to make the first comment, which is that the loudest voice I've heard say anything about this is Paolo Di Canio. And he's a Laziale and he's a fascist. So I really don't have <laughs> want to give him the time of day. Like, seriously, like, I do not care about a man's opinions if he's if he's going to be a Laziale and a fascist. But aside from that, let's just take the argument at face value, separate it from the person making the argument. We're not Manchester City, apologies to Brandon. Like, think about how much money Manchester City spends to win the Premier League every like every single summer. Like that 100 million that Roma spent, first of all, is going to be spread out over several seasons. Like the Tammy Abraham purchase was not just like plopping down 45 million in one go, which a lot of big clubs do. We did installments, we had a buyback clause inserted. There's a lot of financial things that Tiago Pinto did to make it so that it might on one hand be seen as 100 million, but in terms of actually impacting our balance book, it's not really 100 million this year. Uh, second of all, I would say anyone who thinks that if you want to become a better club, you can't, can't throw money. You, you can't, you have to, you have to invest like seriously. Like, I don't, I don't understand this argument that, oh, we should just field Primavera players or something like that and not spend any money. Like what's the alternative here is my biggest question. Like every, every club that is higher than us is spending a lot of money on players too. Um, Milan and Inter are spending money on players, whether that's salary for Zlatan or, things like that and so i'm just I, i'm not super impressed by this argument that oh roma spent 100 million and only made six like yeah and clubs above us spent way more a lot of the time both in europe and italy yeah you, you do have to spend brand anything you want to add on onto that no he nailed it and you know it's it's really all about the net spend so if we're spending to compensate for you know sales that doesn't really that number is not going to be as flashy as that 100 million that keeps getting thrown around yeah i think my biggest argument to anybody that says well you only improve by one point i think you have to look at the trajectory the season's taken right with fonseca last year in his second season which you expect a manager to hopefully do better in his second season because he's been able to instill his values so we hope for better for marino next season than than the 68 points we have but Roma started really well. They were top two or three up until around New Year's and then the bottom fell out, right? And then things went haywire and we, we all know what happened. Mourinho started slow as he started to find his right players, find his best 11 and still his values, really improved the defensive side of the game, which Roma really did in the second half of the season. And then the, they started trend upward and then they did plateau a bit toward the end, but balancing the, the uh, Conference League semifinals and, and now the final and some other things, probably slowed him down a little bit but we had a, a 11 or 12 match unbeaten run and uh that corresponded with the the finish where we did so i think it's more of a glass half full this year whereas last year was a glass half empty at the end of the season right until Mourinho was hired there wasn't much enthusiasm around the club and we see the stadium uh i looked at the the on fb reference they actually tell you like how many fans are showing up to the match and it was over 40,000 was the average this year. And remember part of the season was a 75% cap uh, for a few matches. And that was the best, I think, attendance in about a decade for Roma on average for the season. So it just shows that I think 
the club's overall support is behind the glass half full way of looking at things, even if it is only a point better than last season. And we know Europa League carries a little more weight than Conference League in terms of finances and prestige and things like that, which should also help build running into next season. And then I think one other thing I noticed on Twitter, I sent it to you guys today too, was the one area I think we all probably agree that Roman's going to have to improve next season. There was a, a tweet that Michael Lisi put out with the top seven head to head. And now that Atalanta finished eighth, those two wins against Atalanta get discounted a bit because they weren't a top seven for this argument's sake. Fiorentina's replaced them. Roma had the lowest point total in head to head against, uh, you know, the other six sides in the, in the top seven. So only eight points earned two wins and two draws. Uh, against the top seven, Fiorentina had nine, Lazio 13, Juve 17, Napoli 19, Inter 22, and Milan 24. And it just shows how valuable those points are in the table when you get into it. You know, Milan won the Scudetto. They had the most points head-to-head, beat Inter by two points in the table. We're two points better in the the head-to-head against the top seven. Napoli third had the third most points, Juve fourth, Lazio fifth, and uh, Roma was seventh points but finished sixth. So I think that's probably got to be Marino's next area he's going to target, right? Is getting a couple more of those head-to-head victories that could really help the team. Yeah, I mean, it's a little unfair to, um, I I don't know, I feel like that statistic is a little unfair because in context, um, especially the first victory over Atalanta, uh, you know that they, when firing on all cylinders, are a top four team in essence. So, um, but they were ravaged by injuries and, you know, form dipped and all that good stuff. So by the end of the season, they're in eighth place and it doesn't look as valuable, but at the time and this, you know, especially in uh, from the perspective of the fans, the media and all of that, everybody pegged Atalanta to be top four side or at least challenging. So it was, it was a big feather in the cap when, when Roma beat them. Um, and even more so the second time I know at that point, um, the wheels were really starting to fall off or at least the cracks were really beginning to show. But at the same time, you know, when that team is firing on all cylinders, they're a pretty difficult opponent and can be anybody on their day. So I don't necessarily think that um, where they ended up should devalue those wins. But at the same time, I think that's going to be a point of improvement for Mourinho going forward now that, um, you know, we've knocked off Atalanta, the next target, um, or like the Lazios and Napoli's of the world. And, Hopefully you can pick some more points off against the the, te- the stripes um, because those are the teams that we've struggled massively against this season, yeah. but the, the progress is there. Yeah. And I mean, I would also just add that a huge factor here is, as I mentioned already, a lot of these top four clubs were not involved in a second or third competition deep into the season. Like we were, we've been playing a cup competition for the entire season and Sure, a couple of them had the Coppa Italia, but that doesn't have very frequent matches compared to, you know, something like the ECL. And considering Roma's lack of depth, which Mourinho's talked about for the entire season compared to most of these top four sides, it's not entirely surprising that a club with less depth and more competitions sometimes struggles against bigger sides that have more depth and fewer competitions. Yeah, there's certainly an argument to be made there, but I think it's got to be the the focal point next season for to, to make the jump in the table. If people are saying, well, Rome only finished six, I think that's the, the place to target because even Lazio who finished a point above finished with five more of those head to head. So certainly something I think Mourinho will focus on. And, and one way they're going to do that, Jimmy mentioned the depth, right? 
So uh, we have a question from Daniel Silva. And if you saw the video he's referencing, he said, what do you guys make of Mourinho recruiting Bremer on the pitch after the game? I mean, if you can get Bremer to come over, I'm all for it, right? <laughs> Say this about Roma as we're heading into the summer. The key people around Roma are not afraid of trying to recruit pretty big. And Bremer looks like small potatoes compared to what Francesco Totti was apparently doing today. Um, try, apparently offer, basically offering the number 10 kit to Paolo Dybala. I'm not even saying that's going to happen, but the fact that Roma and kind of the satellite of Roma people in the Italian soccer universe are thinking big is really encouraging. And it also makes it very clear to me, going back to that question we were talking about before with, oh, Roma spent 100 million euros only to make sixth. Well, I hate to break it to you guys, but it certainly looks like Roma might be spending more money in the near future, which, I mean, if you're a Roma fan, you shouldn't be complaining about that. No, and that's why you bring in uh, a manager like Jose Mourinho, because you know that he's can't, has the ability to go um, around the pitch after the match and plant the seed in certain players' heads. That grows into the flower that Tiago Pinto capitalizes on. And, you know, it might end up being the case with Bremer. It might not. I actually didn't see the video in question, but knowing Mourinho and still and knowing the pull that he still has, I think I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, that kernel was planted. Yeah. I mean, if uh, he's doing what he wants, you know, he's at least planting the seed in certain players' minds that he thinks could be a good fit that are quality players. He knows probably Inter might have it in on some of these players or some of these other big clubs might have it in on Bremer and he might already have something negotiated, but heck the fact that Mourinho has enough pull with players to even plant that seed shows that I think the club's moving in the right direction. Jimmy referenced Totti offering the number 10. I know there'll be debate if that were to happen and he were to come and take the number 10. I know there'd be a lot of debate on, on Roma Twitter about whether he should wear the number 10 and on our message boards, but guess what? That's that shows that, you know, even a player like Totti, he realizes what a Dybala could mean to Roma at this point in terms of signing. And one thing I just thought of too, as Jimmy was talking about it is, that just shows how Totti never really gave up on Roma, the club, right? He was done with Palota and the way he was treated because now that Freakin's in charge, Totti's back all in. He's at the stadium. Now he's trying to recruit players that because they were in a charity match together today. He's trying to, to help the club again. And I, I you know, he's, he's working as an agent. I know is his official role right now, but I wouldn't be surprised if he finds his way back to the club in some capacity in the future either, but with the way he's kind of working his way back around. Yeah. You see, um, you know, how Paolo Maldini is all involved with uh, Milan and everything that they're doing um, over there. So having Totti and De Rossi back in the fold in some capacity, um, especially while Mourinho is in there and you have these three legendary figures at the club, of course, it's going to um, have some effect on Roma in a positive way, whether that be players coming in or, um, you know, just players that were linked with overall. Um that's why that's why you want those figures at the club. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, they're going to want big players and Dybala's linked. I mean, Inter's still the favorite. All the reports are saying he's going there. So Yasser El Shimi presented a question in regards to the Dybala and uh, Nemanja Matic links. And he said, would you agree that Gerard De Lufelu and Hamad Traore would be better signings than flasher signings of Dybala and Matic? Um, I don't. I don't know too much about Traore at this you know, point to compare him to Matic. Matic, to me, 34 years old, I don't really want to go there regardless. I think they could find a better option at defensive mid outside of Matic. 
Um, the Deufelo one is uh, is an interesting one I didn't really think about prior to this question, but looking at the numbers comparison, I just pulled up a quick comparison on FB Reference, and Deufelo scored 13 goals for Udinese with five assists compared to Dybala's 10 and five. More minutes played, an extra 600 minutes, so the, the goals per 90 are pretty much even. They're almost a dead heat, almost a half a goal uh, per 90 minutes, but the, the shot-creating actions, he's, he outperforms Dybala, Goal creating actions a little a little less so, but it's a, it's an interesting argument to present. I mean, I don't know how much Udinese you guys watch this year. I don't know if I would say yeah, sign him over DiBala because, like we had said, DiBala could be a, like a kind of kind of transcend the club, make it a in a way bigger name out there, but could be a, a, a interesting like backup option at the right price. My biggest issue with that type of comparison is that it doesn't acknowledge the difference between playing for a club like Juve and playing for a club like Udinese like no apologies to them but you can be a you can rack up really nice stats in football playing for a smaller club and the moment that you transfer to a bigger club you can just disappear like the the reason why big clubs often spend ridiculous amounts of money on players from smaller clubs is because they think that they found the guy who isn't just like looking good because they're playing again, they're playing for a small club. And so if you look at De Lufeo's track record, it looks an awful lot like a player who can be very successful at a smaller club and can't necessarily cut it at a bigger club. That's my two cents on it. I, I, I think that I don't necessarily think Roma needs to get flashy signings. I think they need to get right signings, but at the same time, I would be cautious of just saying, Hey, let's take a guy who isn't playing for a top club right now and assume that he's going to just like be as good in Rome as he is at Udinese. Yeah. And I would just add that if you did bring Delefeu in, would it be as a starter? I don't, I think it would be, um, you know, a move that you make to give competition to, Zaniolo, I suppose, or um, whoever else you have. Well, it depends on how you want to use him, but like assuming um, in the current setup that he would be playing uh, off of Tammy, I guess you want him to give Zaniolo competition, but it's definitely up in the air whether he'd be in as a starter or not. Whereas you bring in Dybala, that man is starting mm-hmm. from day one, if healthy, no matter what, first name on the team sheet. And um you know, for a club looking to get to the next stratosphere, those are the players that you need to bring in because, and I'll do respect to Delefeo, but he's a, Delefeo is the type of player that Roma have been bringing in, um, you know, for years. Um, that's probably the extent of the the star level that sometimes that we've seen um, in transfer windows. In the past few seasons, um, you know, the Tammy is probably the biggest name that we brought in in quite some time. Um, so for a club looking to reach the heights that Roma is looking to reach, I think Dybala is the easy, um, choice between the two and Delefeo in my eyes is more of that, that rotational piece that you bring in to, to give competition to the younger players. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I, I double check Traore. It's the Traore from Cecil. So I am fairly familiar with him and he had a nice season for Successful, but he's 21. He is unpolished. And again, he's going to be a guy who's going to have a, probably a learning curve if he comes to Rome, right? And we've seen that with Cloyver and some of these wounders and those players. And I think if they're going to make a move for depth, it's probably more of that Deufelo type player who's got experience and can can push Zaniolo and push some of these other guys for minutes. I mean, 
if I were to go after a, a rotational piece, maybe someone who could compete and play in a rotation with these guys, why not go for like a Domenico Berardi if you're going to go for a 28 year old guy who's who's torn up Serie A for quite a few years, who's got a penchant for like hitting out at these big clubs. Maybe he's the type of guy you make a move for, a player of that sort. So I think uh, Dave Fellow makes a little more sense. But like Jimmy said, the track record doesn't really scream at you as a guy who can light it up for a big side. His, his best season was this one. Previously, was at Wofford like three seasons ago. The seasons at the big clubs like Milan and, and Barcelona weren't that great. Even his years at Everton were great. He's kind of been around the He's been around a bit for a guy who's only 28 years old. So there are some, I don't, know, I don't want to say red flags necessarily. Maybe he's a late bloomer, but it's something to keep an eye on. It definitely would not be a clear-cut starter like Dybala, like Brandon said, which is, which is the risk there, which is why Dybala is so sought after. Um, speaking of next year, one thing we saw in the lineup on Friday was that uh, Zalewski got to start at right back or right wing back. And uh, AS Roman Fan 6 says, now that Spinozola is back, do you think there's something we can see next year, a rotation between... Zalewski and cars open on the right side, or should we just get a backup right back in the summer? I'll say that we still need a backup right back in the summer, just because we know that the, you know, wing back fullback position isn't Zalewski's natural position. He's been doing a great job in the role this season, but I guess if you want to convert him to, you know, that Florenzi mold where he started off as a winger and became a fullback you could explore that option, but I would have a feeling that Mourinho wants to make better use of Zalewski's attacking talents and strict, you know, having him have that defensive responsibility as well. So um, I think it remains to be seen what, what Mourinho wants to do with him. But if it were me, I would definitely go for a backup right back instead of trying to convert Zalewski to a different role again. Yeah. I mean, I've seen this video before, uh, trying to convert a guy who's willing to play in any possible position over and over again to different positions. It just makes him mediocre at, or good, but not great at a bunch of things, as opposed to great or world-class at one thing. Of course, I'm referring to, you know, our beloved Alessandro Florenzi. Congratulations on the Scudetto win, of course, but that's what happened to him. He was a very eager Primavera grad who was like, I'm going to work my butt off for this club. And every manager decided that that meant that they were going to put him in a different role in the starting 11. And it meant that he wasn't a good enough right back for our goals, which stinks. Uh, and I'd much rather be able to keep as many Primavera grads as close to, you know, Rome as possible. And if we're able to keep Zalewski, I think that we'll be doing it by playing him in more of a winger role than even what he's doing right now. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and if you switch to a four-man back line, if Mourinho decides to go back to four-two-three-one, he has no place as a right back. He's got to be in more of that attacking wing um, spot. I think we do need a, a backup right back. Uh, last question before we get to the ECL final on Wednesday. There, it was just kind of a fun question from uh, Nam T on Twitter. He said, will all Serie A teams that won 3 nothing on the final match day of the season be in the top four next season? So it's a fun way of wording the question, which basically means Roma, who won 3 nothing against Torino, Napoli, who beat Spezia 3 nothing. Inter, who beat Sam 3-0, and Milan, who beat Sassuolo 3-0. So he wants to know if those four teams will be in the top four next year, which basically excludes Juve being the big exclusion. What do you, what do you guys think? Early, uh, <laughs> early guess. <laughs> at the risk of Jimmy yelling at me again. No, I'm just <laughs> – but, um, yeah, I guess, you know, the question is, is Roma going to replace Juve in the top Basically, four? Basically, yeah. Yeah, and um, I would love that. I think getting a player like Dybala would – 
go a long way in getting there, especially Juve are losing him. So, um, so, you know, you'd be hurting a rival and gaining a player that can really take your team to the next level. So it really is dependent on, you know, how the, how the transfer market works. Um, as currently constructed, I would say no, but um, that doesn't mean that can't quickly change depending on who comes in. I'm still waiting for the other shoe to drop with one of the Milan clubs and whether that's players wanting to leave, whether that's financial issues coming home to roost. I think that it's kind of silly to try to predict the top four this far out. We don't know who Roma's going to sign. We don't know who anybody else is going to sign. For all we know, Juventus signs a player even more influential than the players that they've been signing every single transfer window for the past year and a half. And they restart their 10-year dominance of the league. So, I mean, like, I, I don't feel comfortable predicting just yet. I would just say that I think that there's more potential for Roma being top four than conventional wisdom might suggest. I think that if we get the right depth moves more than anything else, it could happen. Yeah, I'm just going to say I'd be fine with Juve dropping on us, replacing them in, in, in some capacity in the top four. But uh, it is early to make predictions until the market starts to play out. Who knows? It, it, a lot will have, depend on what Juve does in the Mercato because we know they have their holes and we have our holes. And so do the other three teams in the top four, really. Uh, everybody showed that they have some uh, kinks in the armor this year. So, you know, Serie A season's wrapped up, but the biggest match of the season still looms for Roma just two days' time from now. Europa Conference League final on Wednesday in Albania against Feyenoord. So we have a couple questions on the match, and we can kind of give our thoughts on it real quick before we uh, before we wrap. So AS Roma Fan 6 asks if we have any scouting reports on Feyenoord. I know very little about them other than they play in the league with Ajax, PSV, and Vitesse. They are some pretty good teams, so I would assume this is not going to be a walk in the park for Roma. I don't know about you guys. I haven't seen Feyenoord play all season long. Uh, Ajax, obviously, is the class of that league. PSV finished second in the league this year, and uh, Feyenoord was third in, in the table. So they are, you know, a solid Dutch side. Make of that what you will. They did well in the, the conference league, making it this far. I know they, they knocked out uh, Marseille in the previous round. All I know is they, they can score goals because just looking at their conference league matches, you know, they, they put up goals. They beat Partizan 5-2 and then 3-1. Uh, Slavia Prague 3 3 and then 3 1 on aggregates who advanced uh, with a 6 4 aggregate. Marseille beat 3 2 and then it was a 0 0 in the second semifinal, which was a bit of a, a shocker. To the, those are their knockout round matches, so they can put up goals. I think, in, in those terms, they're going to be that typical Dutch side that will look to probably play the attacking football. And you know, we'll, we'll see what Roma can do with that. Yeah, and I'll just add, I think they've had you know, about 10 days more rest than Roma. Um, so that, that'll be a factor to look out for, whether, you know, they acquired a little bit of rust with the time off or if the extra rest will do their legs some good come Wednesday. Yeah, I can't say that I'm regularly watching Dutch League. Um, that's just, you know, I, I have only so many hours in the day. Uh, but uh, given that, I think that, we've learned the hard way that any club that can make it further into this competition actually has to probably be half decent. Um, I think that a lot of people were kind of crapping on the ECL early on. And I hope that that crapping has stopped at this point, because one, we actually might have a chance to win silverware, but two, 
I don't feel like any, most of the clubs that we've played after the group stage have been pushovers and not all the clubs in the group stage that we played were pushovers as we, we very well know. Um, so given that, yeah, I mean, I'm expecting a hard fought match. I think Roma will win. I think that's a fair, I, I think it's easy to, I think I can feel confident in saying Roma will win while also saying it's not going to be easy. Yeah. And Sufjan said, Feyenoord is going to want the ball in the final. How should Roma respond? I would say, look at what we did against Lazio and Atalanta. Those are probably the, the game plan to, to go into this match with. If you're playing a team that wants 60, 65% possession, I think Mourinho will be fine seeding a bit of possession if he can get his boys out in the, the counterattack and, you know, get Tammy one-on-one against Sinezi. We'll see how good Sinezi is. And I think that's where Roma's probably going to try to attack. Yeah, if we can get a few um, spells of possession where we're doing that quick one-touch passing on the counter like we saw in the Bodo game um, where they scored that beautiful goal and that we've seen in the matches against Atalanta and Lazio. I think that's the way that Mourinho will want to play, especially if that's the way Feyenoord likes to play. So um, it kind of suits what Roma likes to do anyway. So hopefully, um, you know, Feyenoord plays right into their hands on that one. Alternatively, we, we signed a pre-contract deal with Sinesti um, right before the match and, uh, you know, get some, get some help, get a, get a 12th man going on. Don't start any controversy, Jim, that people try to, de- you know, belittle the title <laughs> yeah, if we win it. All people, I am going to know, like, <laughs> what's happening with Diago Pinto and, and Jose Mourinho, that they're, they, they're, I know all of their devious plans, clearly. Um, no, but more seriously... Uh, we have been linked a lot to him. And I, so I will definitely be, even regardless of the outcome of the match, I will be watching to see how he plays just because from what I've been see, able to see of like highlight reels and, you know, some longer match plays that I tried to watch from the ECL, uh, he looks like he could be an interesting addition. Yeah, he's definitely will be the one player I, I keep an eye on a finer because of those links. I'll watch him a little more closely for sure. Um, Yasser El Shimi asked, is it me or do you agree based on current form Shimordov may be a better pairing to Abraham in Tirana than Zaniolo? No. Um, can I just, can I, my, my reason why is not about current form. I think that current form almost goes out the window when you're talking about a cup final. Uh, I think current form goes out the window in a, in that type of situation because, there are so many additional elements, whether it's nerves, whether it's, you know, a billion different things that affect you in such a high stakes situation. As much as I think Shamurodov has been in better form than Zaniolo recently, he's also not been in, like, it's comparing apples and oranges, comparing a final to one particular match. And in my personal belief for starting 11 in a final, you play your 11 best players. And I still think of Zaniolo as a better player than Shamurodov. Yeah, I think Jimmy nailed it. And um, you have to also consider that a lot of these performances from Shimurdov have come against, um, you know, in a substitute role against tired legs, which wouldn't be the case if he's in the final. I think the only reason why you would consider starting Shimurdov rather than Zaniello is if there's any health concerns with Zaniello. But I think in a final, if he's even close to 100%, you got to go with him. Um, just because he has that game-breaking potential that Shimurdov doesn't quite have, at least, you know, as we've seen this far this season, maybe next year he'll come good if he stays at the club. But um, like Jimmy said, you got to go with your best 11. Zaniolo certainly in there every time. 
Agreed. And our, our last question came from Daniel Silva asking which uh, 11 we expect on Wednesday since Marino doesn't rotate much. I think nine of the 11 spots we could rattle off right now. I mean, you, ha- you got to have Patricio and Gold. It's going to be Ibanez, Smalling, and Mancini across the back three. You're going to have Karsdorp at right wing back. You're going to have Cristante in the middle of the pitch. Uh, you're probably going to have Zaniolo, Pellegrini, and Abraham in the attack. I think the two question marks is, does he go with Spinazzola or Zalewski on the left? Does he go for the experience? Does he go for the more informed player? And I think then it comes down, is Mkhitaryan fit enough? All the reports that, I, as I just Googled it, he will travel with the team. But uh, no, no, they don't know his status yet in terms of playing. I, I find it hard to, as much as I'd love to see him start, it might be tough to see him starting after not really practicing much. And maybe he beca- can become a, an impact player in the second half, but that would certainly hurt Roma's counterattack. And um, I don't know if you guys saw, I didn't see these until just now that apparently there's some uh, rumors linking Mkhitaryan to Inter on a free this summer, uh, which Tiago Pinto called a lie that they've been in negotiations already. So that'll be a topic of conversation for us, maybe in the next episode, if more comes out of it. But I mean, do you guys see anything, any other changes besides maybe those two spots and anything you want to add on Mickey? Yeah, it's really, it's really those two spots that are in question. I think we've seen over the course of the season, you know, who's clearly Mourinho's preferred 11. Um, I think if I had a guess, I think we'll see Spinazzola. I think it's clear that Mourinho has been ramping him up to get ready for this game, um, especially with the, the shift he put in in the last game. So I think Spina will get the start on the left. I don't personally, I probably would go Zalewski just because he's been doing it over the course of the, um, you know, our run in this tournament, but Spinazzolo can be a game breaker on his day. So I guess you gamble with that. And then I would probably go Oliveira um, to start and then have Mickey sub on if he has the legs in him. I would be very nervous if I see him on the starting, uh, the starting 11. I agree about Mickey. Um, I think that if he was like a second half, like a brought in at the 46 minute type situation, that might be for the best. I'll also add that, you know, Inter is linked to my mother at this point. Like they're, 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 they're linked to everybody, which makes me realize that nobody actually knows what's going on over there. Like, okay, sure. They're linked to Mkhitaryan. Whoop-de-doo. Um, I, I, I think that like, in all honesty, I see Mkhitaryan staying at Rome. Like he's looked revitalized under Mourinho. He's looked like he's happy to be playing under Mourinho. And he's been willing to play out of position for Mourinho and found success playing out of position for Mourinho. I don't, I don't see why he would want to leave is how I would frame it. And yeah, I, I'm hoping that we see Zalewski start just because I'm still very worried about getting a re-injury situation with Spinazzola, to be completely honest with you. I think that like, especially in a cup final, like I said, there are so many variables that can change things dramatically in a cup final. And I'd be like, knock on wood, but you don't think that a guy that a fan nor defender might get like a little bit rough with Spinazzola coming off the bench. I, I, I don't know. I, I hope not, but it could happen. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I personally right now would lean towards Spinazzola. Uh, if I'm Mourinho, probably right now, the way I, I, I saw things play out these last couple of games, I think he's leaning that way. And I, I agree. I think it's probably Oliveira that gets a start. I, I it's hard to see Mkhitaryan starting in the physical condition. He's coming back from if he is able to even, you know, suit up for the match. And then we'll, we'll talk about those inter rooms another time, but guys to close, we're playing in a final on Wednesday. This could be the first trophy we've seen in a long time. So I just hope that the boys come out. They, they play smart, they play hard. And hopefully the next time we are chatting, we are talking about Roma lifting the conference league trophy. Yeah. I'm ready to cry either way. 
So fingers <laughs> crossed. <laughs> I will be crying. That that's a guarantee. I will be crying. My 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 new roommate will probably be very confused. So <laughs> so um yeah, we'll 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 have a fun Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, it's part of being a Roman fan, right? Romanista. So everyone out there, thanks for listening. Hopefully we, you guys all get to enjoy the final. Hopefully you all get to enjoy the final Wednesday and it ends a little bit better than the last couple of times we've been deep in a European tournament. We'll catch you guys all again soon.